This is CouncilCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hey, Karen. My name is Gerd Melak. I'm the founder and CEO of SEOleverage.com. We're a conversion-driven SEO agency, leveraging all kinds of new technologies like AI language models, but also our proprietary software to make sure that we help clients get an SEO process going that actually makes sense for them and really, really stick to this process. So we facilitate all the execution, all the, the implementation work, and really make sure that they streamline and focus their efforts. My Myself, personally, I'm originally from Austria, live in Spain, have been living in Spain for a while, have always been in tech development, SEO, online marketing, lead generation, all these kinds of things, because I've just found that it's really exciting and challenging every single day. There's something new to learn. So I really enjoy it. And I'm actually really thankful I can be back on this show here. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you for being here again. We Last time we were talking more about SEO and how to kind of focus leads and all of that stuff. This time is going to be so interesting, a little bit different. The title for the show is How Can Your Law Firm's Content Beat AI? So I'm excited about this. And I know that this is something that you find so fascinating as I do as well. So let's first talk about this you reached out and you had this story about something you saw on Twitter about content generation in terms of SEO and this battle that you saw. Can you tell us, can you kind of recap that story? Absolutely. We should probably start describing a little bit what the SEO work is like. It's just really, really content heavy. What yes. does this mean? It means that we, in my case at SEO Leverage, for example, we obviously work with law firms, but also people, other businesses from other industries. And it's always for us a challenge to know the industry well enough to write a text that actually sounds at least correct. I'm not yeah. a lawyer. I can write it. And I could probably, with some research, write a text that for a non-lawyer sounds almost correct. Yeah. And then a lawyer goes through and, and crosses everything out and says, hey, this is start fresh. This doesn't make any right. sense. Right? It's, exactly. it's normal. Everybody knows from their industry. Everybody's an expert in the industry. Yeah. And for an agency, it's really, really tough. So workarounds here. We have people try to focus on certain industries. They have been doing a lot of legal texts. They're really proficient. We know that what they produce is probably almost like 60, 70% correct. Yeah. So much better than getting a VA to write a text they have never, never written before. Yeah. Other workaround, we actually get clients write texts based on our instructions. This has been working really, really well. We give them a complete content brief from a search marketing perspective. This is the text I need. These are the terminologies, the phrases, the story, etc. And then the client writes the content. Obviously, the content then is correct. It might not be as SEO optimized. It might be right. a little bit of an issue. So we have a little bit of a back and forth. Content creation with every client works a little bit differently based on their preferences. So we try to adapt. But then enter artificial intelligence yes. into the ring, right? So right. what this now means, and many of your, your listeners probably have been playing with ChatGPT at least, or Google yeah. Bard, or Copilot, or Perplexity, or whatever, where you just pretty much say, hey, create a text about, I don't know, brand protection or intellectual property or something like this. And it's going, just going to start writing and you can lean back, sip a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and, and really, really look at what this is. This is, it seems like it's doing your work. And 
until right. you look a little bit closer and say it's not that easy. Right. right? We, I think we're going to talk about how, what what kind of strategies we can we can use to work a little bit about this. Yeah. But for agencies, especially SEO agencies, this opened up a huge opportunity window. And it was how if I usually would create one or two articles per day with a person, this person suddenly was able to do 20 or 30. And those were texts that actually sounded pretty good. And I, they, they were also SEO optimized. So I know agents did it usually to create like, like 20 a week. They're now creating 200 or 500 a week. Yeah. And they're getting VAs, virtual assistants, train them to a certain level where they can just use those AI tools to even move faster. Yeah. So we have huge masses of content that are very, very optimized. And we have this AI movement that's actually moving much faster than search engines probably want because right. they try to to keep in touch with the latest movements, but it's not that easy. Yeah. So we have a situation where people have figured out ways to really outsmart the search engines with tons and tons of content. You then read those case studies, they created thousands of pieces of content. Yeah. Really original content is not copied from everywhere directly. The language model then obviously grabbed information from somewhere, but this original content suddenly is blasted at the internet. Right. And there was this case study where we saw somebody getting millions of visitors in a very short amount of time just by firing up this content machine consistently and definitely did his SEO right and, and got the basics right and got very quickly to really huge, huge traffic numbers that would be completely unreasonable, unrealistic for this, the type of business he had. Right. So he went straight after what kind of one of his competitors posted like all this content you were describing and was getting millions of views on the, on the content, mm -hmm. which normally with a human generated content, this is going to take months and months, maybe years. So then what happened? Absolutely. So, so then usually, obviously this gets published as a case study. Everybody wants to know how does it right. go and did this yeah. work, etc. What usually happens in most cases happen at this time as well. Sometime later, I think two months later or something like this, this, this Twitter, Twitter user came back and said, Hey, look, this is the latest result after one of those core updates that Google were launched, where they just updated their algorithm and actually devalued a lot of his content again. So there is this, there is this, this situation now where we are right now where we say, Hey, we have a lot of potential. We can actually do a lot really, really fast. Yeah. But it is a little bit of a, a sidestep from, from a long-term sustainable strategy. And it always, obviously also has a lot of risks involved here. So do you know anything about the content? Why did Google devalue it? Was it, was it kind of, because earlier you mentioned that he had done the SEO right. He had kind of worked the content. What happened there? Why did Google come back and devalue it? In this case, we didn't get really specific answers. What I know from other similar case studies is that Google, first of all, they make an assessment about your content. And they yeah. say, okay, if, if the site so, so far had quality content, probably what you're publishing has quality as well. So if you, I think about it, like they give you like an, an entry level rating. Yeah. So you have a decent website, you get an eight out of 10, but then you need to prove it. This content needs to prove that it satisfies Google users expectations. If it doesn't, it catches a lot of negative signals, as we call it. Things Google, Google picks up where they say, hey, this Google user wasn't happy. And this is all it, it, it's about. Google wants to make a Google user happy. Yeah. Google couldn't care less whether this is true, whether this is 
nicely written, whether there are spelling mistakes, the only thing Google really cares about is to make this Google user happy. If yeah. they don't pick up those signals to justify this eight out of 10, they're going to slowly downgrade it. Okay. And then you also have these masses of content that you need to update over time. You can't, there's no evergreen content because users' expectations change. So if you have thousands of articles, you also need to have a really good updating process that makes sure that all those articles are still in line with what Google wants today after a Google update, which is not necessarily the same it was before. So this process, you can go very high, very fast, but it's not at this stage, at least really sustainable the way it, it was done here. So have you seen sites where they do have the thousands of kind of outdated articles and they're getting devalued because the content's not working for them? It's one of the main things people come to us with, where they That's, say, hey, I used to be really, really big yeah. five years ago, three years ago, 10 years ago, 15 yep. years ago. I was the first in my industry. I have been blogging for nine years straight. Yes. What happened? Yeah. And they just don't see that the competition level this year is probably 10x what we had last year. And yeah. last year, probably 5x what we had the year before. And it's just not happening. It's evergreen content, even if though the content hadn't, hasn't changed, the laws for a law firm probably haven't changed that much. Yeah. But the content doesn't work anymore. Why? Because a few years ago, you could have a title and a wall of text with 800 words. Yep. And if there were a few keywords here and here, there, here and there. You're good to go. You yeah. are good to go. You got <laughs> yeah. leads probably. You even yeah. got leads. You didn't have to work really hard compared totally. to what we do today to actually get something ranking. And it doesn't work this way. So what do you do? What's the first thing that you do in those cases? Because I get those same conversations all the time. What mm -hmm. is happening with our site? We're doing the same thing we did five years ago. And it's like, well, okay, well, that's the problem. But what's the first thing you do in those cases? When, first, first if, we definitely get on, get, on, yeah. get on a call and, and make sure that we really can help, that we have yeah. seen this before, that we know we're confident we can actually make a difference here. And then the first step is, is definitely auditing the website. And part of auditing the website is auditing the content specifically and go through the content and say, okay, how has this content been performing in the last six months? And then we're going to find out something that really shocks people a lot, which is that we have an 80-20 here. 80% of the content is only going to account for 20% of your traffic. So you can pretty much throw it away and nothing bad is going to happen. We have a client now literally remove thousands of articles. He removed, I think, 2,000 already. Nothing happened on a website. Google couldn't oh. care less about this content. Except this his is, heart a, broke a little bit. Because <laughs> it's he like was, all that he, work. He even <laughs> shared this experience with me, what it meant, and also the, the, the sunk cost of, of tens of yes. thousands of, of hours of his yes. team preparing yeah. this content, him creating it, editing it, etc. podcasts, hundreds of podcast episodes. They're not yeah. doing anything anymore. Yeah. So either you, you do something with those episodes and bring them back. We have done this in this example as well. We had him sure. re-record some of those episodes, put up fresh content on the same URL, present it in a different way that makes more sense these days. And it con the content can come back. But chances are that over the years, a lot of things have happened in, in the business. And this content isn't that important anymore yeah. as to, to really spend a few more hours bringing this really back. So Yeah, we, and if you're talking about thousands of posts and, and articles, you can update some of them. But, you know, updating all of them is going to take years. Absolutely. And it's also not about the traffic. It's yeah. about the conversions. And once you yes. check the conversions this is one of the first things we do. We want to know what is actually happening on the website. Where do people come into the website before they convert? Yeah. Or before they do something that we really like. They check out your contact page, check out your about page, they check out your testimonials. 
where do they come in before they go to these pages? We call it yes. soft conversions. Right. We want to track those soft conversions, those behavioral conversions, because then we're going to say, okay, there might be not be a lot of traffic coming through on, through one of those articles, but whoever comes in is checking us out. Yeah. So we have some, done something right. Let's go back to this article, spend half a day on it, bring it back. Let's remove 500 others that don't lead to this kind of engagement. And we know why, because it's just not happening. But yeah. if you don't even have the conversion tracking in place, it's really, really hard. So this yeah. is very often after the audit is the first step, put the conversion tracking in place, gather some data at least for a month before you actually make the call. Tired of guessing your law firm's marketing budget? The Conroy Creative Council Marketing Budget Calculator is your answer. Custom tailored and data informed, it guides your investment decisions for maximum impact. This tool simplifies budgeting and aligns with your goals so you can harness data for smarter decisions. Make informed, strategic investments. Discover how at ConroyCreativeCouncil.com. Finding it hard to navigate through the clutter of legal marketing options? Marketing Co-Counsel is here to cut through the chaos. As your fractional CMO, we streamline and revolutionize your marketing efforts and boost your firm's growth. From digital marketing to traditional outreach, our expertise spans all facets of legal marketing, ensuring that your firm stands out in a competitive landscape. Discover what Marketing Co-Counsel can do for your firm at ConroyCreativeCouncil.com. So the next thing I wanted to talk about ties into this because you were talking about a pretty complicated conversion tracking with your content. And so I wanted to talk about the weakness of AI content because what we're trying to get to is how the title of the show being how your law firm's content can beat AI. Mm -hmm. So let's first talk about where are the weaknesses in AI generated content as we kind of recognize these weaknesses and these little holes, those are the gaps that a human generated content piece could come in and fill and do a better job of. Absolutely. I think it's, it's important that we understand like on a very basic level, how those language models actually work. Yeah. They're predictive models. So they're just, it's, it's fascinating what they're able to achieve. It with is a very simple principle, which is they predict what the most likely next word is. Right? right. So if I, if I have a phrase like in the evening, I come home from, and the language model is probably going to just work. Yeah. Probably. Right. Yeah. And I, and then I say, okay, and there's like an end, right. And I have, and it's suggesting dinner. So yeah. this is, this is the kinds of, the kinds of things we, we can expect from a language model. It's fascinating how well this works until it doesn't. Right. So we have this situation <laughs> where it's predicting based on how it was trained. Training a language model means giving it a lot of data to process, to analyze, and to reuse. So whatever the language model puts out, isn't the language model going through legal texts, making the connections and the logic and so, okay, if this was true in 1950, then in this case in 1980, then this must be, it's not that way. It's right. just going to invent it. We said it has to hallucinate really because it's, it sometimes doesn't make any sense. And we are trying, we are getting better. So it's definitely getting more and more into a, into a place where we have like a logical layer or, or pretty much a database. Yeah. And on top of them, that uh, then the, the language model interpreting it 
because we have seen if it's just interpretation of or, or, or language model content generation, it doesn't work. So they first want to check the facts and then use the language model to just describe those facts. This would yeah. be the ideal scenario. And I think it's going to get better. But right now, it's pretty much rewriting what already exists based on whatever it was trained on. Yeah. And then we have funny, funny situations where it might just grab whatever testimonial it finds. Yeah, because right. in this text right now, there must be a testimonial. So I think when I, I talked about SEO leverage, we were apparently working for the Acme Corporation and their boss gave right. us a really good testimonial. Would be great. I'm, I was really happy about the testimonial. It's just yeah. not true. Yeah. And this happens it's with all the text. Fake. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen that so many times. So what are some things I wrote down some ideas about strategies to, to outperform the AI mm -hmm. content. And I just want to be clear that we're not saying not to use AI because I think there's lots, I know there's lots of useful, useful uses. That's not the word I'm looking for. <laughs> lots of use uses, cases, yeah. use mm -hmm. cases for this AI. However, there's some places where you just can't do that. So one example is like a testimonial, like you were just describing. And it needs to sound, first of all, most testimonials like on Google reviews, that's going to be linked to someone's account. So you can see this is a real person. And it needs to sound like a real person. And as a lawyer, you cannot misrepresent things like that. That's, that's illegal. So your reviews and testimonials need to be real. So like, if, if there's nothing else that you get out of here, don't go to AI and generate some fake reviews. That's such a bad idea. But what are some other places where you can use your own writing and content to outperform AI? I actually like to to use a blended approach. I want to I want to be really direct here. The times where you sit in front of a blank document and word and start writing are over. This is over. And whoever is still working this way, unless it's to write a legal document. And even I guess for contracts, probably there's some templates or some, some generators that actually work pretty well. Those times are over. So we need to recognize this has, this ship has passed. It's been fun. It's not going to come back. Yeah. So what we are looking at is to always base our content in at, at some sort of, of structure. The way we work with clients is that we would give them, for example, an outline to start with yep. and maybe suggest a few topics they could talk about in each paragraph. And this is already SEO optimized. So they know when they really fill this in and pretty much base their, their content on this, it's going to be good. We sometimes even pre-write content and say, okay, maybe add a, a story or something like this. And this is really a really important point. The content is going to be as good as your input, your prompt, as we yes. call it. So it's, and very often the best comparison I've heard, I, I would love to credit somebody. I don't know where I have heard it was to compare this with an intern. You hire an intern. You're not going to tell them, look, create a contract for a um, company merger for a yeah. merger, yeah. right? With a one line sentence and then expect a suitable result. Right. <laughs> but this is how, how people have been using ChatGPT since yes. the beginning, because it seemed like you just said, please do my work full yes. stop. Right? So how how was this realistic? It's not, right? <laughs> However, it's like if a you magic wand. <laughs> you put absolutely and, yeah. and but you put or you even make it an easier job. So okay, run your, your Facebook page, 
right? Yeah. You, you right. wouldn't tell an intern with one sentence to run your Facebook page. You give them a lot of input. You give them training. You give them samples. You say, look, this is what we like. This is this what is we don't we like. Sound. This is how we words. sound. This is the, the brand voice. These are yes. exactly, there you go. And if you do all this before you put in your sentence, please create my piece of content, the content is going to be much better. So if I say for whom, literally, you can type this in now. I want to create a text that's for Facebook. I am a law firm specializing in intellectual property. The content should be a, about 800 words long. It's going to be, it should be ranking for this and this keyword. We yes. want to make sure that it has space for some visuals. So suggest them in the content. We want to have calls to action. So people actually are entitled or, or triggered to reach out at yeah. least three times across the content. We want to have certain keywords in bold so it can be skimmed. We want to have a table of contents. We want to have all these things. And oh my then, gosh, you just wrote like the, the best outline for a blog post in whatever that was, 10, 12 seconds. That little blurb you could use just as a general outline and get amazing results as opposed to the, what you were saying earlier. Please do my work for me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but it's, it's so funny. I mean, there are, there are really, really good platforms out there. I just do this with a, with a notepad, honestly. Yeah. Honestly, I have my templates, which I use. I copy and paste this in. And, and you can do all kinds of things. You can do role plays with, yeah. with ChatGPT. Say, hey, pretend you're a client. I'm the lawyer. Yes. I need to sell you on my on, on trusting me in this case and I can help you, etc. And we have yeah. a conversation back and forth. Yeah. You can you can have it help it have it help you for I don't know prepare for a certain hearings or something like that. You just yeah. give it all the information it needs. Obviously, you need to be careful about sensitive information you share because what unless you are on a, on a certain plan, it might be using your information as well as training to make the machine better. And oh, suddenly that's a good point. Certain yeah. data comes out. You want to be careful and always anonymize it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I keep a lot of templates. I keep them within ChatGPT so that I can find them right there. The other thing that I wanted to add in terms of a tip was that you can go into your profile settings and save the details about your business so that every time it makes these assumptions. So every time for me, it assumes I'm a marketing agency who works with lawyers. And you know these are the things that I'm typically talking about. This is my audience. And so I don't have to restate that every single time. It Absolutely. already knows that. Yeah. Mm. So that's a really good place to start also. And then it's going to assume that you're going to use that. And then, you know, if you're using it personally for some other purpose or something, then you just need to clarify that. Like, okay, I'm not the marketing agency right now. Now I need a question for, you know, my sixth grader. <laughs> so <laughs> so exactly. I'm not kidding how much she uses it. And like in, in legitimate ways where it's, you know, this is, this is their future and, you know, it would be silly to ignore it. So, all right. So, Let's talk about, so we're putting together the content. We're recognizing that AI has some limitations. And so how can we do this better? If we are, the goal here is to create content as a law firm that is better than what we just get, you know, just generically from ChatGPT in terms of SEO. So what are the, these kind of implications for SEO? How can we kind of really focus in? I mean, you mentioned a minute ago when you're kind of putting together the outline of that, that blog post, there was a bunch of really good stuff in there. I think one, one thing AI can't, just can't replicate is your experience. Yeah. 
So in the moment you, you would write this post, you would remember a similar case that you want to describe. You would go in the details. Remember this Mr. Smith who had this issue and this is how, how it affected them. And this is how they struggled when they came. They hardly could afford our, our services, but we helped them anyway. And, and this is how this ended. And this is like now linked to the case study or whatever. If you're in a similar situation, reach out. I like to have this as part of what we feed into the prompt. So I, I literally say, here, here are three facts I want you to use. Here is a customer story I want you to use. And you just tell this story. You can even use the app and audio recording with ChatGPT, for example, and just talk about this story and say, hey, talk all this into the, into the app and share your story there. It's going to yeah. transcribe it. It's going to use it. It's going to find ways where actually to go back to the story if you ask it to. And it, it's going to... Uh, show the story or showcase the story, tell the story, and then at the end, maybe go back, make a connection, have a nice ending or a nice, nice really closure on this particular piece of content, telling, uh, taking this into account. You can specifically ask it not to make up any effects and not to use any effects that you wouldn't, wouldn't use. This is also interesting. So sometimes you might hear sun, suddenly get like statistics and, and they're probably all invented. fake data, probably yeah. invented fake data, but sounds yeah. really, really legit. Yeah. Just don't let it use it. Put yeah. the boundaries up, like you would say, and tell an intern not don't make up anything you could you can't prove. Yeah, here are the facts we can use. This is a book you can use in order to cite any facts, but this is what we actually want. But really, the most important thing is your experience, your stories that you have as an established business, on yeah. on your your own history, your cases, your clients, whatever whatever you can share in this context that might be relevant, and feed it into the machine. Make yeah. sure that they know this is the story we want to use because everything else is going to get better and better and more easy to, to replicate. But the is stories are going to, to be really it, hard. Sorry to jump in the middle there, but is there a way to tell it that you don't want it to take your story and use it anywhere else? I think there are now, uh, they just came up recently in ChatGPT at least with a team software that's supposed to actually maintain your data within the team, I believe. Okay. It's definitely, definitely something to take into account. Yeah. At the, at, at the same time, there is a likelihood that similar stories have happened to similar, sure. similar lawyers. Sure. So it's probably going to be a little bit harder. I would always try to anonymize the story and maybe make up a fake place or location where this actually happened or something before you actually feed this in and then update it or whatever. But yeah. also be aware that whatever you put up on the internet can be then training data for for ChatGPT sure. unless you block their access, which in my point of view, hardly makes any sense. Right. So ChatGPT, <laughs> OpenAI, the platform behind it is going to read your website, is going to read this story at the end and might then use it. So in this case, I think it wouldn't even be a point of discussion here. You just you just use this, feed in your story, and it's, yeah. it's going to end up in there anyway. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. I just believe that the more time I spend with this and looking at this whole strategy, like how can I as a human present information that's more useful and better performs than AI, it just comes down to this. It comes down to stories, slash case studies, which is the same thing, just in a different format. And it comes down to testimonials. And so telling the the stories of your cases and your experience in whether it's within a blog post or a case study, but then also having that supported by testimonials, that's something that other firms 
can't replicate with AI. So the value of that type of content, I think that's one thing I see really just exploding over the next few years is the value of Google reviews, the value of these testimonials, and then the just real focus on case study type content. What do you see as kind of the future and where you see AI going over the next, I mean, it's already, it feels like it's been so fast. I was going to say like the last two years, but it's been like maybe a year-ish. What do you think for maybe the next year and then kind of long-term? It's definitely a hard question, yeah. but I'm thinking about this a lot. So I have, a, I do have, a, I have my answer, which might be different next month. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I believe short term, we are going to get rid of all the, the small issues we have been facing in ChatGPT. ChatGPT not able to do simple math, ChatGPT making stuff up, ChatGPT getting facts wrong. I think this is all going to move away within the next 12 months. Oh, wow. That's, I would, that's amazingly I fast. would expect that because it's just really so quote unquote simple for Google and other engines to really use what we call a knowledge graph, where they try to connect concepts like the founder, they have it somewhere connected to the company and the company to the podcast and the podcast to iTunes and iTunes again, back to the company or whatever. They, yeah. they have those connections and Google has it in what they call a knowledge graph. And it's really a simple step to use more and more a knowledge graph before actually creating content that might be wrong. Yeah. There is not even a fact-checking layer. I have seen, I've heard people talk about fact-checking after the generation and then adding it. I think it's just going to be like a, a construct of facts and then yeah. they wrap the text around, which seems to be making more sense. But I do believe we are not having those, those basic issues anymore. Now GPT-4 is much better than GPT-3 yeah. in this regard already. We are getting much better in writing in better prompts. Yeah. We are going to get much better. We're not going to do those simple one-liners anymore. We are going to copy and paste templates. We are going to use platforms that make it easy where people share templates as well. So we are well, going that's to... I was thinking when you were saying the idea of a blank document is dead. And so then I was picturing, you know, we only use Google Docs and mm -hmm. Google Forms and everything. We don't use Microsoft at all. And I was picturing Google Docs opening it up. It's already getting there. Like it already has some AI starting to be dripped in there. But I, I'm imagining that being something that is drastically different in the next, I don't know, I'll just say near future, <laughs> in the next year, year or two or whatever. But I could easily see that being you know, the document saying, what are you, what are you making? You know, are you making a letter? Are you making a, a contract? Are you making a blog post? And then having some prompts where it just helps you to develop that. So it's not necessarily like a chat GPT version, but it's more of the outline prompted version like you were describing. Absolutely. I would, I would expect AI really long-term, maybe two, three years be everywhere. Yeah. And imagine, imagine you open up, you take your Gmail and it's already pre-answered those, you just sign off on them, oh, on those email answers, because be based on the history that we had, <laughs> you and I talking about uh, doing a show together and talking yeah. about marketing back and forth, probably an AI could figure out what we probably answer or yep. what we probably, we probably agree on when we, when we record the show and right. what we are, what we are going to do. There's no need for a machine to actually ask anything. They can just say, look, uh, do you want to answer this? And you send, yeah. I send, you Karen, send Karen him send your me calendar. calendar. Exactly. Yeah. There you yeah. go. There you go. There's no need to really do a lot of complicated processing. I think Google is pretty much holding back. 
They just yeah. say, okay, we don't want to move too fast because People then we are might freak run out. into issues. People yeah. are going to freak out. Yeah. There might be legal considerations as well. What is What are the governments going to say if, yes. if suddenly email is transparently available and, and automatic everywhere? Nobody signs off anymore. Everybody just blindly says, okay, 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 okay. Right. And, and, and sends everything if- without reading it. Yes. But technically, Google would be in the position we use Google Docs exclusively as well. We don't have Microsoft here. So. Yeah. It, Google would be in the position to just have it in Gmail, have it in all their their office suit suit pretty much, and pretty much guess what we're probably going to do. I open this up and say, "Hey, get another another SEO strategy." Yes, of course. Yeah. Please, right? Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> I'm and going you, to the beach. <laughs> you give it. You give it a sample and say, "Okay, this is a Shopify site. Do you should we use this other Shopify site template as, as yes. the baseline?" Yeah. Yes, of course. And you have a conversation right. more than than really starting to copy something. I would think yeah. this is this is realistic. And then there are also going to be tools on the way that enable this before actually the big tools jump on this. There's always going to be plugins that that already now help you fill in a form with ChatGPT or fill in some text or social yeah. media posts, etc. So we're going to see those things. And really what I, what I see more and more, and finally all the big gurus out there start talking about it as well, is that it's going to be a huge reputation issue. Yeah. This is going to be huge. Reputation meaning it's going to be so easy to make everything up. Yeah. That it's going to be really, really hard to prove you're real and you're legit and that actually a real person got a really good experience with you. So what do you think? How how are platforms like Google? So I recently before I finish that question, I'm going to back up. I recently have been working on my knowledge panel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my name has been out, I've been on the internet for what see it feels like forever, pretty much since the beginning. <laughs> so my name has been out there. I've also secured, I secured my own domain name with my name decades ago. So Google has found me and created a knowledge panel just for my name. This is not the same as a Google business profile that my business has. This is a knowledge panel based on me that's saying I'm a real person and Google has verified that I have the following knowledge and am associated with the following things. And so it has some links to certain profiles and whatever. But there is a pretty involved process in verifying your identity and going through the verification of this whole process as it should be, because Google is the most the place people are going to go and trust the most. And so if Google is saying this person is legit and these reviews and not just the reviews, it's more like these these things that are associated with this person are real and verified. I had to take a picture of my driver's license with my face that was dated that day and send that in. And so do you think that it's going to be more like that where it's you're going to have to find these sources that support verifying your identity because otherwise it's way too easy to fake it all but it's even more complex because there are people with a similar with the same name doing right. completely different things so we work sometimes with brands that just sound similar we have now right now a client his name it's it's two words he he writes it separately there is a, another competitor in a not the same but similar space writing in the two words they come up both obviously because google uh, can't figure it out yeah. so people end up on their website don't find what they're looking for get frustrated look for something else uh, they try to log in they log, try to log in on the wrong site and with a person the same thing happens 
Sure. Right. There's yeah. a there's a chance somebody with the same name is also doing something on the internet and has right. been with your name, not with mine necessarily. Maybe. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, right. Well, with, or with Karen because Karen is much more popular in exactly. the U.S. But you know, so mine has an I in it. But people are misspelling my name all the time, and so if they're searching for my name with the E, they're going to find a different person. That's confusing. You know. So plus, imagine if your name is John Smith. Like that makes mm -hmm. it really tricky. Absolutely, absolutely. So this is definitely going to be like an added complexity. And we can assume that people probably might add some sort of additional attribute to it. So Karen Conroy, podcaster, for example, or lawyer yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So you would you would probably expect to search my name with SEO at the end. And so so even if there was somebody else and they don't or they don't find who they want to find, they might search for something else. But yeah. what you're describing, the knowledge graph is actually a really very important piece of the puzzle because it just means that Google has like a lot of dots they connect, like the join the dots game my kids usually play. Yeah. But now they have another dot they have pre-verified because they even have your ID. And yeah. they know that you identify with your ID. Somebody or some algorithm actually has done the necessary checking and says, okay, this actually this seems to be this person we believe is running this podcast and is running the marketing for lawyers. Yeah. So they all, it all adds up. But this is really very similar to like your educated child, right? Yeah. I have two kids here. If I don't, if I have the slightest inconsistency, in my way of saying this is okay, this is not okay, yeah. they're going to use it against me. Oh, yes. And it's, yeah, and it's they, definitely they not going find... to work, right? Yes. It's not going to work. And with Google, the same thing happens. Right. If you're inconsistent, Google doesn't figure it out. The, yeah. the best example I've seen is people's social media bio, for example, where on yeah. LinkedIn, they would say, hey, I'm a, I'm a lawyer specializing in intellectual property. Then on their Instagram, they say, I'm a lifestyle designer. <laughs> <laughs> and then on Facebook, they said family father, right? Right. And then you go to, to Twitter and they are like a tech geek. Yeah. Right. And so, like, so if you're Google, if you're <laughs> Google, you're yeah. really trying to figure it out. It's, it's of course in different circles, you try to be some, somebody else or stress a certain characteristics or, or hobbies, etc. It's normal. Yeah. But if you, at the end of the day, expect Google to recognize us as yeah. one person, we need to be very, very, very consistent to the point is that the phrase you use to describe yourself is always yep. the same. Yeah. Even if it's boring. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Gerd Melak is an SEO expert and the founder of SEO Leverage. This is yep. a phrase you're going to find everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. It's just this phrase. The moment I, I start uh, to do something completely different and I, yeah. I, I do a woodworking business, I'm in trouble. <laughs> All of a sudden, but you're for like now a with SEO, I think I'm good. expert. <laughs> Whatever is going to happen, you, you can rebrand. You yeah. can rebrand, but it's probably another year or two until Google actually notices because they just check all the places they, where, where there's something about you. And if there is an inconsistency, the knowledge panel is not going to happen. So, so yeah, kudos to you for getting you. it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. All right. It is time for the Thought Leaders Library. Remember, our website has a curated collection of all these top book picks that every episode our guests have curated. So Garrett, what's the one book that you believe every lawyer should have on their bookshelf? I have been doing a lot of sales training lately, and I think it should be spin selling. Spin selling. Tell me more. Spin selling. Spin is a framework that helps you walk a prospect through a process that helps them to see how valuable your solution is for them. Oh. 
and actually recognize recognize that it's worth the investment. So okay. be the and and I like the book because I'm I'm like a data driven person. I like to have the research and I like to have the numbers. It's a it's a scientist Neil Rackham here, a scientist actually who has been doing thousands of interviews with with salespeople successful ones, not so successful ones, accompanying them to, to their meetings, listening to their calls, etc. And he pretty much describes what is working and why and how a high ticket is very different from a low ticket sale. Yes. And, and really how this, how the price you can charge really depends on this, on this value equation, right? So how much value do they think you provide for them? Yep. And very often this means that you really amplify the pain for this prospect. What does this actually mean if you don't solve it? So it's oh, one thing I that I think I should that. have a I should have a lawyer helping me registering my trademark, but you tell me this is I don't know, two thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, and I say, Oh no, okay, let's I, I I'll be in touch. Right. But if you now walk me through this process and say, Hey, what does it actually mean if somebody tomorrow registers SEO leverage and you can't use it anymore? How does your business change? How does your branding change? All the effort you have put into actually making this name known in a certain circle, etc. Now the pain is getting a little bit, a little bit harder to bear. Right. right? So it's suddenly you're ex exactly. It's, it's yeah. suddenly I have another expense here if I don't invest in into your services. And yeah. this is where the spin selling framework is really a nice guideline for a conversation. We have always been doing like this. It's, it's situation, problem, implications and need payoff, the, yeah. the, the abbreviation, right? So we always analyze in SEO the situation. What is the situation? How have we come here with content creation in the past? How does this work now? What is a, a potential solution? But we are definitely not focused as an SEO agency so much on amplifying this, how bad this is right now. Right. And it's, it's, it even can be a little bit awkward sometimes for... Sure. For a conversation, at least if you're not, if not used to this framework. Yeah. But just, just having this knowledge that it makes sense to, to talk about the problem a little bit more before yeah. you actually present a solution. Even if you know it after three words, you know what the solution is going to be is a very interesting approach. And at least if, if nothing else, it leads to more interesting conversations. So I have a great example of this and kind of to be able to compare the using it versus not using it. And it was, we, in the past, we worked with an attorney who did a lot of criminal defense, and it was very high-level criminal defense stuff, not just DUIs and things like that. And in the past, the website messaging was about, we understand what is at stake. And then underneath that, it would explain, I understand that maybe your immigration status is at stake. You know, if if this case goes in a negative way, you could lose your immigration status. I understand that your family relationships are at stake. I understand that your job is maybe at stake. I understand all of these really, really critical pieces of your life are on the line right now. And I've done this before. I understand how to work through this. I understand how to get you to a, a solution that is better than, you know, better than what you might otherwise expect. And they've since changed. This was years ago that they, they had this messaging and they've since changed it because I was talking to someone about this. I, I bring it up all the time and I pulled it up and now the website, I can see it doesn't perform as well. And it's very generic 
criminal defense. This is the kind of case we do. This is where our office is located. You know, these are some of our results. And then maybe they have some testimonials. But this understanding of what's at stake was so cutting edge at the time, because this was probably six or seven years ago that they were using this messaging. And this is what what it comes down to. When you're a, law- a lawyer and a law firm, this is what you are trying to convey to your clients, regardless of what kind of practice area you have, whether it's business. And I understand that maybe you're going to lose some money if your contracts aren't well done, or if it's estate planning and your family relationships are at, at stake, or if it's something really serious like criminal defense, whatever it is, you can pretty quickly and easily demonstrate that you understand that that negative side of it. And the, there's a fine line w- between walking and being really negative and being understanding and conveying your understanding. And I thought this was a perfect example where she wasn't just saying, I understand that you could be facing jail with a picture of a jail. That wasn't at all her message. It was, I understand these things that are at stake that you care about and that, you know, you're coming to me with these worries and concern. I get it. So I, I love to use that example because there's, it's a fine line between trying to convey that message. But it's also so, it's also so important to really be realistic and upfront and say, Hey, yeah. you, in my position as a professional, I understand there are certain implications you might not even be aware of. Right. I get this. I get this all the time when people tell me, okay, they have, they are going to do some link billing on their end for their site. And then, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa let's, let's have yes. a conversation. I just, the only <laughs> thing I pretend on this conversation is making sure that you know what you're possibly getting into. You might lose your business. Yeah. I've seen sites get penalized by Google disappear completely they weren't even being found for their brand name which is like the easiest and most normal thing that could happen right and then i I just give them a hint in an email and say let's just have a conversation let me just tell you what you're getting into potentially so you know that you with a simple decision and paying a few hundred dollars you might be putting your business at risk that you have been building up over 15 years yeah. Yeah. And this is where, where this being upfront, I can totally relate. This is going, it's going to convert better because yep. it's going to be a wake up call where they say, Hey, wh- how would they take my house away? Right. Right. But and as I a lawyer, even, even as a, and even as a marketing person, but as a lawyer, there are these things and that's what you're being hired for. That's what they're expecting out of you. They're expecting mm-hmm. an understanding that's beyond what their basic level understanding of this topic is. You know, they assume mm-hmm. you've been doing this longer than the five minutes they've been thinking about it. And so there's things that they're probably not thinking about. And so this is what you're being hired for. So that's what you need to demonstrate. So that's awesome. Okay. Spin selling is the book. We will link to that on the show page. And uh, also in the library. So, Gert, what is one thing that you know that really works? <laughs> Consistency in maintaining relationships. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm really bringing this up because I have been having so much, much feedback from just then, just the feedback round I did among clients from years ago. So much great feedback. I reached out to them. Hey, what are you up to right now? And many coming back. Let's have a conversation, etc. You need to be consistently proactively creating and maintaining those relationships. This absolutely works. Yeah, it's so true. And then that feeds into one of our big points about 
you know, how you can win at this content battle with AI is those testimonials and those stories and staying in touch with those people. That's what leads to those awesome reviews, the awesome testimonials, you know, and that is what sells the next person as well. So I feel like this was such a great conversation. I think everyone is talking about AI and kind of all the little tips and tricks and everything, but this is like, how can we rise above and how can we demonstrate that as humans in these businesses that, you know, we're not going to set AI to the side, but we're going to provide better content and do a better job than just generic AI content. Gert, thanks so much for being here. Gert Malak is the founder of SEO Leverage. We will link to everything on the show website. And we are also planning another episode that's going to be coming up in the next few months. So stay tuned for that. Thanks so much. Thank you you so much, Karen. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.